0: And when someone says to me, "Bodybuilding isn't healthy," I say, "It might not be for you, but it's unhealthy for me not to do bodybuilding." So I went from a guy that was just like getting by, had a nice job, to someone that was all of a sudden. I went back to school, got a master's degree, I got a job promotion, I started a business. I just started applying the same principles that I did to bodybuilding to other areas of my life, and I started getting shit done that never got done before.
1: It's so funny you say that. I, I talk to people all the time, and they're like, "You know, how did you transition from not knowing anything about business?" You know, I was, I was police officer for twelve years it all reverts back to how dedicated and how focused you can be in bodybuilding and in fitness.
0: How did you get started in this? Because you've been doing it for a little while. You were a competitor first. When I first got into competing in bodybuilding, I hired Lane Norton. Um, I was on a website, bodybuilding.com, and they had a video series called Life of a Natural Pro. And I had been obsessed with lifting weights since I was a teenager, because mm-hmm. I played sports and I was skinny. So I was like, okay, if I lift weights, I can look better. Maybe the girls will notice. The reason so, we all started lifting weights, really. Yeah. <laughs> so at 32, the internet was now robust enough where I was like on forums, and mm-hmm. and I, I found out about natural bodybuilding, because I didn't want to do the Dorian Yates route. I was sure. like, So I thought I would never compete, because I'm never going to go to a show because I'm never going to look like Dorian Yates. Because in my mind, that's what everybody that does a show looks like. We all wish. <laughs> <laughs> we, we all wish Listen, we looked like Dorian. Yeah, I, well, to be more fair, more like Arnold and Franco, Frank sure. Zane and those guys. But um, seeing, you know, this was a Ronnie J. Cutler, Dorian era, and it was just like, yeah, that's not for me. And then I saw Natural Bodybuilding, and I thought, well, oh, those guys look really good, and they're natural. And then I found a show in Florida. I drove down to Fort Lauderdale, went and watched it, and I was like, huh, these guys are really tiny. They're shredded, but they're tiny. So I could do this. And then that's when I reached out to Lane, I didn't know it at the time that Lane was about to become like a household name in the fitness industry He was just a kid on a he was literally in college Mm -hmm. on a forum Um, And when he graduated from Illinois, he moved to Tampa and I lived in Orlando And so we just became friends through going to shows together Um, And as his business grew, he started bringing me to seminars so I got exposed to Dr. Dominic DiAgostino, Dr. Mike Zordos, they weren't doctors at the time. You know, like the people that were actually doing the research. Um, I got to meet Dr. Campbell from USF and okay. um, kind of like some forefathers going on there. I mean, no, I mean, literally, I was at, well, you know, that, what do they call it now? The um, evidence based movement. Like, sure. I was literally there as it was being born. The father of all that is Dr. Joe Klimczewski, um, who I would consider like my mentor in all of this. Um, so yeah, it would just, I just kind of got obsessed. I think that's like my, my personality. I find something I like, and I just, I have to know why. I have to know everything. And then uh, along the way, someone asked me to coach them. And I was like, no, I don't, you know, hire Lane. And Lane was like, dude, I'm getting 50 inquiries a day. Please take them. And I was like, all right, I'll take one client. And that's how it started. So, and that was 2011, 2010, I think. So you're
1: over a decade in, yeah. and you have how many coaches in your company? Because
0: obviously you're a coach, Yeah, but you have coaches underneath you. So that evolved when I got to the point where I got to where Lane was at, where I was getting more inquiries than I could handle. And there's two things you can do at that point. You can either become one of those cookie cutter coaches that gives everybody the same plan mm-hmm. and have a thousand clients. And I'm sure you feel great about yourself, um, but I couldn't do that. <laughs> I, I'm a very hands-on coach. Sure. So I was actually in school at USF and Stephen Bogrand was in class with me and we just kept talking and he's like, well, if you ever need help with anything, let me know. I took him up on that offer, he helped me. I was promoting a bodybuilding show at the time. He literally helped me paint my garage, set up my gym equipment. And then one day I said, you know, I've got like 400 inquiries that I can't I can't even answer them. Yeah. Would you wanna go through them and see if there's anybody in there good? And if there are, tell me. And if there's not, you can message them. So that was my first coach, that was seven years ago. So now we're at 28 coaches. Yeah, so, and, and the way we bring coaches on now is essentially it's by demand. We don't. I'm not looking to add more coaches. We basically get to a point where all of our coaches are at or near capacity. And then we, we can actually, now we have a lot of data. We have metrics. We can actually predict like, okay, we're gonna need another coach in the next two, three months. So we're already grooming two more right now that'll be starting in January. Yeah, worldwide. So we have uh, South Africa, Canada, the bulk of them are in the United States. Sure. But um, all English speaking currently, but we've even talked about Spanish speaking coaches. Oh, you guys would
1: do great, especially yeah. in Brazil, Mexico. There's a huge community in there.
0: Yeah. The, the difficulty there is the entry cost for coaching. Mm. It, it's, it's a little bit much for what, um, those, you know, the, 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 dollar is not very strong in those countries compared to our dollar.
1: Sure. Well, you, you so you turn this passion, you turn this yearning into a pretty successful business. Yeah. So, I mean, you have 28 coaches, uh, and how many, how many clients are you able to take with those twenty eight coaches? Last time I checked our
0: um system, we're around two thousand total two thousand active, yeah, training that's crazy. That's really, really high, yeah, so i i don't I don't know i don't there's not really a company like ours. I don't think like the the business model, how it's kind of been grassroots. So I don't know what's a good number. Mm-hmm. but I just know like we have coaches that are living full time at home able to be coaches um and so. From the beginning I always thought, okay, if, if someone's gonna be a coach for Prophysique, why the hell would they wanna do that? Sure. So we're providing them the inquiries. We have a proprietary software system that we've developed for our updates. I'm trying to make make it a safe place for them to feel confident. We do continuing education. Mm-hmm. We just did a company retreat in Denver where we had all the coaches and some of the, you know, the behind the scenes employees. You know, we have people that are very customer service based, stuff like that. So they all came. So you know, it's we're trying to build the culture of the company now because we are spread out. It's not sure. like we're in an office. That's been the toughest part for me because I love coaching. So there was definitely a point where you're coaching, but you're also running a business mm-hmm. and you have to decide which you want to do more. But I freaking love coaching. Like, I right. I still want to be the best coach. Like, that's my goal. And um, I love my athletes and I just love going to the shows. I mean, I'm here with Evan and we're in town this weekend for a show. Mm-hmm. Like, I'm at a show three weekends a month you know like i love that part of it if i was sitting at a show miserable i wouldn't do it
1: i competed i've been in the bodybuilding scene for a while i started competing at 17 i'm pushing 40 at this point so well over 20 years uh that i've been in the industry competing npc uh did one ifbb um, pro qualifier show in the caribbean several years ago haven't competed since um, so are you getting mostly competitors
0: or are you getting lifestyle people are you based on my kind of online presence? Sure. But it's we're probably seventy percent lifestyle, thirty percent competitors company wide. Have you seen a difference in a trend? Have you seen
1: competitors kind of dropping off into being more lifestyle? Me personally,
0: no, because okay. I only coach competitors and I always have a wait list. So it's hard for me to gauge. Now that's where like we have the data mm-hmm. from our from our website where we can see the inquiries that are coming in and what they're looking at. And we also do a couple different things. So we're not just a coaching company. Mm-hmm. We have a transformation challenge that we run twice a year. Mm-hmm. So that brings in a very interesting demographic of people. Some people that are just obese looking to get started. Some people that are in shape that wanna compete, but they're not sure if they have the confidence. So we had about 2,500 people in our most recent one. Um, So that some of those people will convert and they'll look for coaching after the transformation challenge. So we, we are still very lifestyle focused and I'm sure you're familiar with this. Most people go, I really want to look like that guy, yeah. but I don't want to put those shorts on and get on stage with a tan. Sure. And I always tell them, I'm like, well, that's why they look that way. Mm-hmm. Like, it's it's not a coincidence that competitors get leaner than, yeah. you know.
1: That's the purpose. There's a there's a deadline. There's a show. Yeah. So that's my problem right now. And I was joking. I was actually just talking with another coach who I happen to be friends with, uh, AJ Sims. Are you familiar? Mm-hmm. I know the name. So uh, he, mostly bodybuilding guys. So he's, he's a lot of bodybuilding, big, big bodybuilders. And uh, I was telling him like, if I don't have a date, I can't structure what I need. It doesn't, there's nothing pushing me to it, where I'm like, I have to have that date to do that. So how are you doing that with the lifestyle clients? Like, are you giving them dates? Are you giving them deadlines? Yeah, we're setting
0: goals. I mean, a lifestyle client, you know, the most valuable thing you can do is give them a deadline. So I'll have them enter challenges. I'll have them talk about either uh, they have a vacation coming up, maybe we can set up a photo shoot. Maybe they're going, I mean, you're going to laugh, but another, a big one is people that are going to like music conferences. And they want to look good, hmm. right? They're they're out there with their shirt off, summer vacations, whatever it might be. So that's why I started the transformation challenge, because I was trying to find a way to motivate people to get in shape. And remember, bodybuilding.com used to do the transformation challenge. Yeah, for and all the kids watching, bodybuilding.com was a huge thing. Oh back my gosh, in the day. <laughs> I I remember one time, and I don't know how true this is, but you know, um, the forum on bodybuilding.com was the number two forum in the world. Oh yeah, for like people going in there, and I mean those. I mean I'm still friends with all so many of the people that I met in those forums from from back then. That's so, where all the
1: bodybuilding news was coming in. That's yeah. where you
0: saw competition re, uh,
1: results, yep.
0: everything was on bodybuilding.com. The evolution of what we're doing in coaching, it's it, for me that transformation challenge was exciting because it was like, okay, we got 12 weeks. We got 90 days. Let's get this. Mm-hmm. And most people can really get it done for 12 weeks. They can sure. commit to that, you know. If you tell someone it's it's going to be a year-long process, they're like, "Oh man." But 90 days, they're in. I used to only prep for 8 to 12 weeks. Yeah. But I never really got too out of shape.
1: Right. You know, I'd get to maybe 15, 16% body fat at the most. Yep.
0: And then, you know, I trimmed down. I never really got under 7, 8%. See, natural bodybuilding, when I was competing, you know, they were they were the ones putting a lot of the evidence out about how to prep. So I was talking to people about prepping for 20 weeks before I ever did a show. Yeah. So I dieted for 24 weeks for my first show. So, um, but it was a very slow process. I didn't even feel like I was dieting until like the last six to eight weeks. You know, I got a lot of refeeds and, you know, Lane was ahead of the curve on a lot of those uh, mm-hmm. approaches. I was flexible dieting, using macros. I wasn't just eating tilapia and asparagus for 12 weeks. Oh, I did that. Yeah. So, I don't want to talk about it. I, have yeah, night-
1: <laughs> I think I, I, I was, still get nightmares thinking about tilapia on the way and asparagus. Over
0: here, I was telling Evan, I was like, my first prep was so different than most people's first experience that it got me you know, as soon as the season was over, I was already like, okay, I'm going to do another one next year. Like, you know, whereas most people are like, I'm never doing this again.
1: Yeah, I caught the bug, but I did uh, my first diet, but I dieted down pretty hard. I was like 250, yeah. pretty big, you know, police officer back then. Um, but I had some body fat on me. I was pretty thick and I dieted
0: down, probably lost like 45 pounds. I'll also say this, men lose fat easier because it's usually the first time they dieted, yeah, right? So your metabolism's healthy, your body responds really well. Um, so that first diet for a, for a man is usually like, I remember the weight was just falling off me. Mm-hmm. My parents were like, are you okay? Cause you know, your face gets all bony and I'm a skinny guy as it is. My mom cried when she came down. So my mom lived <laughs> yeah. in
1: Ohio when I did that first show uh, here in Florida, she saw me when I competed at 17, 18, but I was a baby, you know, yeah. never got that lean. But when I competed down here, she flew down. I'm like, come watch me compete first time as an adult kind of thing. And she didn't recognize me the first thing because I was so tan. Hand up. Yeah. So, you know, she (laughs) thought I was like Hispanic or black. I mean, I was that dark. So I I was so sunken in. She's like, you literally look like you had cancer. And she was like crying. Yeah.
0: Yeah, yeah no, I had looked to, almost sick. I had to take my, I had a jacket on when my parents saw me the first time that they hadn't seen me in a while and I took my jacket off and they're like, oh, okay, you look good. Yeah. But like when they see your face, that's the... That's
1: what it was, I wearing a big sweatshirt. Yeah. And then then she sees my face, she's like, are you okay? Do we need to go to the hospital? Yeah. Yep. <laughs> it's so hard for people to understand. It's such a fringe sport. It's such a weird, odd thing for people. And
0: I like that about it. I don't know. I like, I like that it's... It's something that really nobody gets. Like if I'm at a party or like a, I'm out with my wife at somewhere and someone says, oh, he's a bodybuilder. Oh, do you cut the water? Do you, uh, you know, do you eat the tilapia? You know, they ha- there's all these misconceptions that are surround the sport still that I'm just like, mm-hmm. how deep do I want to go on this topic tonight?
1: How deep do you want to educate them?
0: Or they'll be like, oh, you can't eat that. It's not healthy. And I'm like, well, actually, I'm a flexible dieter. I can eat whatever the hell I want.
1: Well, because you're not, you understand the balance point.
0: between between lifestyle,
1: between staying lean, between staying healthy, and you're big on health. I mean, well, I mean, there's a
0: reason I've kind of avoided, you know, the path of bodybuilding to be like as big as I can be, because Mm -hmm. I don't know, I just pictured, you know, those guys that were 300 pounds, because I'm six foot three. So for me to be a successful professional bodybuilder, I'm going to have to be over 300 pounds. Mm -hmm. And I just thought, I'm not going to feel good at that weight. Um, So it never, and I grew up playing sports. So, you know, the the definition of healthy for me, it's not just like, oh, I look good, but it's also like mentally being mm-hmm. healthy. So I focus a lot with my with my clients on the mental health. And when someone says to me, bodybuilding isn't healthy, I say, it might not be for you, but it's unhealthy for me not to do bodybuilding. I am a better version of myself when I am dieting, when I am organized, when I am prepping. Mm-hmm. I mean, honestly, my life completely changed when I did my first bodybuilding show. I went from a guy that was just like getting by, had a nice job, to someone that was all of a sudden, I went back to school, got a master's degree, I got a job promotion, I started a business, I got you know, bought a house. I just I just started applying the same principles that I did to bodybuilding to other areas of my life, and I started getting shit done that never got done before.
1: It's so funny you say that. I I talk to people all the time, and they're like, you know, how did you, how did you transition from not knowing anything about business? You know, I was I was police officer for twelve years, got into business, just pretty much learned it. Yeah, like they're like, well, how did you figure out how to learn? How did you Uh, you know, balance your time. How'd you do all these things? And it all reverts back to how dedicated and how focused you can be in bodybuilding and in fitness. If you know how to diet for a show, you know how to suffer, you know how to, you know, sometimes lack sleeps, do things you don't want to do. I don't want to do cardio. I hate doing cardio. (laughs) You know what I mean? So if you learn that you need to suffer to for get me, to a it was certain the meal point, prep. Yeah, and like, the meal prep.
0: Like going to the store, buying the food, cooking it was like a whole day of yeah. prep for the week. But then the rest of the week, I'd be like, huh, there's so much less stress because all my meals are planned. Like you don't realize that planning ahead and doing all that work at the at the beginning sets you up for an easy week. And that's what I started applying to things. But all that transfers
1: into business, oh, into yeah. education, into lifestyle. And you bring all those things that are you know, right there, right in front yeah. of you. Oh,
0: I mean, I was I w- I used to go to work on time and leave at five. And mm-hmm. literally when I started bodybuilding, I would go to work early because I had to get there early because I was already at the gym. i just go to work. My boss started noticing and he's like, hey, like you you can start doing more projects. Mm-hmm. And all of a sudden I became like a go-to guy instead of a guy that just collected a check. Yeah. Um. So yeah, like it just started to bleed into all areas of my life. And all my friends that were like, you're not gonna go drinking on Saturday night with this because I lived downtown. I sure. literally lived for going down to... You know the, the bars in downtown Orlando. Um, on the way here, I was just showing Evan. I was like, "Dude, we used to I used to walk from <laughs> here to here," and um, and I went from a guy that did that to saying, "No, I'm going to go out with you guys, but I'm going to drink a sugar-free Red Bull. And I'm going to get up at eight and do my cardio," and they all started going, "Oh, if you can do it, so can I." And they all started like, you know, getting more involved in fitness stuff. And so it was cool to see my impact on other people. And that's kind of where the YouTube started, too, Mm because people were like, oh, you should do YouTube. And I'm like, what's YouTube? You know, so (laughs) it's just funny how these little pieces along the way have built into something bigger than the individual pieces would have been by themselves.
1: You have a good educational uh, aspect on your YouTube. I watched uh, several clips over the last week or two anticipating for talking to you um, on a podcast, you know, and uh, I love your little snippets. The, The cardio, what was the video? Did you cardio with the rucksack? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I do it all the time. That's my cardio. I walk my dog. I I did a a video about
0: walking and more comments were like, what about Ruck? What about Ruck? What about Ruck? And I'm like, what the hell is this? So Mm -hmm. I had to look it up and, um, I've had some clients do it in the past, but they complained about it. So I guess it's about the weight of the vest and how, you know, intense the walking is, but I think it depends on how that's distributed too, because I have a vest where it's evenly distributed
1: weight on the front and the back. Okay. So, you know, the, the weight vest that I got, I got it on. I think I got it on Amazon. Yeah. And it's distributed in the front and back. Is there pressure on the traps? Yes, of course. Yeah. You know, so make sure you stretch and, you know, everything else so is like normal. I'm
0: actually doing a video series right now where I'm going to walk in every, every day for one hour for the next month. And then I'm going to do the before and afters. Um, so I'm going to get a ruck for that for a couple of the walks. But I couldn't believe when I did the research, the difference in calorie burn. It was like. A typical walk for an hour would be like 200 calories. With a ruck, it was like 760. I was Mm -hmm. like, "So I got to try this." Yeah, because I usually walk on an incline. That's how I get my sweat. On a treadmill? (laughs) Yeah. Okay. Yeah, because I mean, Florida. There's no.
1: Sure. Well, yeah. There's no hills.
0: People are like, I don't understand why you walk on a treadmill. You could just go outside. I'm like, it's Florida. You can't just go outside. Sometimes it's raining. Sometimes it's 98 and humid. Yeah. So.
1: Yeah, it's it's like you're underwater when you go
0: outside in the summertime, at least. Yeah. So I I literally bought a treadmill for my house. You know, that's that's another thing, like. Instead of looking for excuses, some people are like, oh, at the gym, I can't get to the gym. Build a home gym. Oh, I, I, can't, I can't get to the gym for cardio. Buy a treadmill. If it's important to you, you find ways to make things work. And that's, that's kind of the bodybuilder mindset. Yeah. The time
1: constraint thing is not an excuse. We, we both know it. Everybody knows it. I always tell, busy people
0: get shit done. Yeah. Like, if, if you want someone to get something done and you're like, oh, they're too busy, that's why they're busy. Yeah. Don't ask someone that's not busy to get something done.
1: <laughs> so much procrastination. I'm seeing all, we're in November now, so we're filming this in November. I see no shave November, all these no drink, no No whatever November. And someone posted uh, on social media somewhere, no procrastination November. I'm like, that's one that I can get onto. That's tough. I,
0: I, I am a big procrastinator of things, but I find it also makes me more productive mm. because I make deals with myself. I go, okay, I'll open up some baseball cards if I get all this work done. So I'll like, I'll motivate myself throughout the day. But, you know, before bodybuilding, I was such a procrastinator. I was always like, I'll do it later. I'll do it later. And then once you, you you just got to change that mindset. It's, it's, it's difficult.
1: Where are you on the uh, coaching aspect for bodybuilding? I mean, a lot of people that know who you are, know you from competitive nature, know you from bodybuilding, you coach primarily bodybuilders or not bodybuilders. I'm sorry, competitors. Yeah. Okay. Is it men, women, mixture, all that? Yeah.
0: So. It's evolved over the last decade. So when I first started coaching, I coached anybody. I had powerlifters, I had moms that just wanted to lose 30 pounds mm-hmm. and mostly male natural bodybuilders at the beginning because I earned a professional status with two organizations. I was competing. So, you know, people see your results and that's kind of how I found Lane and they found me. Um, and then along the way, I started getting more and more competitors. And I, what I realized was I like the competitors better. Some people like the lifestyle better. The reason I like the competitors better is because they show up They don't make excuses and they get results. Mm -hmm. Some people are happy to get a client that pays them a lot of money and they don't check in for three weeks. Uh, That drives me nuts. Yeah. So along the way, I started coaching competitors and having success. And then a couple new divisions came along, men's physique and bikini. Mm -hmm. Now, since I was a natural bodybuilding coach at the time, I started getting some bikini competitors that came to me. And I never realized the difference between men and women until I started coaching a few women. If you coach a man, say I coach you, and you, like, you go win your pro card. You don't tell anybody. You're like, I got this coach. He's my secret weapon. You coach a female successfully. She's singing from the mountaintops to all her friends, everybody backstage at a show, and it just started snowballing. So at this point, I specifically only coach women in the bikini division, okay. and, and only in the NPC, and now mostly the IFBB. I have probably more pros in NPC at this time. So, okay. um, And this year, I'll have three competitors at the Olympia. So... Last year I had one, the year before that I had one, the year before that I had none, so it's like, it's been an evolution, you know, I've had girls turning pro over the last few years, and now they're starting to compete at the higher level. Clearly having success, so something's working. I mean, this is the job, I, I, I'm i constantly trying to learn and involve myself in the sport and learn more about it. Um, at first I really struggled. Um, first it took me a while to figure out how to turn girls pro, then they would turn pro and I couldn't get them to the Olympia. Now I've got the Olympia, and now I wanna win the Olympia, right? So I'm always trying to learn that process it's just like anything else it's like i love that the process of figuring things out i'm sure. almost nervous if i ever get to that point where i have someone win the olympia if i'm still going to be as vested as i am um but for me that's that's the process it's the same thing with the business it's been like okay what's the next step to make our business grow you know we you hit a sticking point with growth or you start to grow too big and you're actually not making as much money cuz something's off so it's like you know so for for me coaching right now is just NPC, uh, IFBB bikini. And I have a few clients that, that are men that compete with me still, but that's the bulk of it.
1: Now you focus obviously on the diet, the exercise. Are you actually training these people? Or are you giving them the
0: training protocols? You know, I coach people all over the world from Australia, you know, so I can't to here. So I can't be in person with every single person. I love to be in person. So today when I leave here, I'm going to the gym in Orlando with my six clients competing tomorrow. I'll put them through a little workout the day before the show, but that's that's just fluff work, just keep them um, peaking well. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, it's not really hands-on, but I do a lot of research and I understand how training should be set up. You know, I, I work with Brett Contreras on, you know, he was the first guy to create the glute workouts and that went along with the bikini division. So Brett trains people in person. So I learned a lot from him. Um, he's one of my close friends. So the training programs I design are specific to the competitor, their goals, their body parts. Um, and, and I occasionally will ask for video feedback or you know weights and reps to uh, uh, create their programs. And mm-hmm. I'll train with them when I can, but most of what I do is the nutrition, the, the you know the cardio supplementation um, strategy around competing. I even get involved with their hair, their makeup, their shoes, their suits. Like oh wow, so you get detailed. I mean the bikini division is not as straightforward as bodybuilding. Sure, um, there's less poses. Bodybuilding has a lot of poses. But in bikini, it's it's also pageantry. It's you know, it's makeup and hair is is a big part of it. I've heard of people's color ruining
1: their placings, hair makeup, uh, nails, jewelry. Jewelry. Yeah. Huge. Yeah. That's a huge business. You can
0: overdo the jewelry, you can underdo the jewelry. So yeah. yeah, I mean that that's so that's been the fun for me is like, okay, how do I nail it? And it's nothing better than when you see your client walk out on stage and then they say number one seventeen move to the middle, and you're just like, that's I mean, that's Like I get the chills. Like that's the moment that I'm just like, cool. I did my job.
1: That's awesome, man. That's a, that's a really cool place to have that passion, you know, and especially since you're successful. I mean, when you have that success in that space, it's well.
0: honestly, what drives me is the failure. So like when someone doesn't do well and I get mad and I'm like, okay, what do I got to do? I Mm got to talk to the judges, find out what they didn't like. I got to talk to her, find out what I could have done better for her. Um, you know, so it's, it's about understanding the psychology of the athlete, the psychology of the judges, the, the, you know, the standards of the division so that's why i I really love the coaching aspect it's because i mean i hate to say it but like the most progress i ever make is after i fail at something
1: well it's all learning experiences i love i love failure as learning experiences and people get all bent out of shape about it you have a really good attitude
0: so that's good I've, i've learned that when i'm mad i'm like okay something good's about to happen when something bad happens to me, I'm like something good's about to happen. That's awesome. Like, it's like I've almost like learned to enjoy the the anger. Do
1: you pass that on to your clients? Because that that should uh, oh, that's a no. really good. That's no, I mean that's a really good thing for them to learn too. Because when they lose, they probably get mad. Oh, so this and is a, this upset. is a
0: big conversation because I think sometimes the competitors start to see themselves as that's who they are, and they don't have a life outside of the sport. And so mm-hmm. that's a lesson they got to learn because. Every competitor is gonna get punched in the mouth. I say this all the time, like there's no competitors ever just won all their shows. Everybody's been punched in the mouth and that's when you actually find out if you love what you're doing. Mm -hmm. Do you love the recognition or do you love the process? And if you can take a lump and be like angry, I hate this. And then two days later be like, what do I have to do? That's when I get excited. That's when I'm like, okay, we got a champion here.
1: Yeah, that kind of mentality is is huge in everything. Yes. Not just competitive, uh, not just competitive sports, but everything. That's how I have taken every single learning experience in business is failure, failure, failure.
0: Yeah. I get that big failure, I get that big punch in the mouth. And you well, know so in business, you get
1: punched in the mouth. We can a talk
0: a little bit about why I'm actually here and why we're talking now because you know, for years, yeah, the, the hormone stuff was something that I did not approach because it was, A, it was illegal. B, it's outside of my scope of practice. Um, and I just wasn't comfortable. You know, that's why I kind of stayed in the natural bodybuilding world. But sure. now, as you know, I mean, you know better than me, hormone health and these types of things are now, it's probably one of the fastest growing sciences in the world. Um, and I also got to experience it firsthand. My best friend had double testicular cancer. And so he had to go on testosterone therapy and we're the exact same age, he played sports with me, like we grew up together. And I literally, and he's not fit. Like he, he's healthy, but he's not a bodybuilder. Mm-hmm. He'll play basketball a couple of days a week, stuff like that. I literally saw him transform over the course of a year. I'm like, what is going on with you? And it was, you know, he had, to, he had to be on testosterone therapy. Mm-hmm. So his testosterone levels went up to normal, natural male levels. And all of a sudden it was like, he was 18 again. Well,
1: to the optimal levels, yes. you know, I try to explain this to everybody, uh, you know, and We'll separate the bodybuilding hormone use, <laughs> you know, steroid yeah, like abuse. Overuse? Yes. Yeah, sure. The abuse side to the uh, you know hormone therapy side, way way different.
0: Well, and that's why I'm talking to you because I, I did my research on this for a few years before I wanted to get involved. Mm-hmm. And your company focuses on lifestyle health, overall well being. You're not trying to you know build 300 pound bodybuilders. No, if if
1: anything, we actually deny those people. Um, it's we're very straightforward about it. Like we are not a bodybuilding clinic. And there are clinics out there that are pretty much portraying themselves as bodybuilding yeah,
0: clinics. Yeah, and listen, I honestly, I love that side of the sport too. Sure. But, you know, with me, I try to be black and white. I try to, you know, I coach mostly females. I'm very black and white. Mm-hmm. I'm My behavior around them is very professional. I'm never going to be alone with my clients. Likewise, I also want to make sure that, like, if we're, if we're getting someone some blood work and we're getting someone some feedback from a doctor, mm-hmm. that it's a company that, is reputable that is going to do things that are best on their behalf for them to be happy and healthy mm-hmm. not for them to get a trophy
1: the five dollar plastic trophy is not worth your health i know you i know you are kind of big on the health side yeah. whether it's dieting whether it's cardio you don't push it to limits where people are getting harmed You know what I mean? And there's a lot of
0: coaches that do. Well, and I think a lot of the young people that get into the sport, they're willing to do anything. And I think if you're familiar with the research where they asked the Olympic athletes, if I could give you a drug that would guarantee you a gold medal, but you would be dead in five years and something like 80% of them said they would take it. It's the same thing when you're a 22 year old bodybuilder. They were all under 25.
1: Right. That was the other part of that study. Every single person they spoke to was under 25 years old. And I'm like, that makes sense. So when I have a competitor that's like,
0: I'll do anything to go to the Olympia, I'm like, I'm not going to you in a position where when you're 35 you hate me yeah I'll, I'll tell you the truth and we'll work through this properly um, but if that's what you want to do I'm not the right coach for you yeah. um, you know I've, I've had a lot of coaches tell me you can either take your time or you can take your drugs um, and especially working with females most of them don't want to sound like men. Most of them don't want to look like they're forty when they're twenty-two. Yeah, uh, I would say all of them.
1: <laughs> yeah, and, and not only that, they they ruin the chances for any future fertility at some points. You know, they'll get facial structure issues going on. I mean, that's the scary. They stuff. get a, they get a jawline like me when they had a soft feminine face. That's a weird thing. That's a problem. You know, and you know there's some there's some other things that uh, happen down below. <laughs> that are not very, that are not yeah, very no. <laughs> pleasant, you know, for We're anybody. familiar
0: with the tanning booth at bodybuilding shows. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Yeah.
1: So, you know, those, those kind of side effects and like not even calling anybody out that does that. If that's what you love to do and that's your choice and you made it, God bless you. Absolutely. You I know, agree with that. People like, jump out of airplanes. That man. is a part of the sport. <laughs>
0: um, there's dangerous
1: stuff out there.
0: My whole thing is educating the individual on the side effects yes. and the health. And, you know, I don't want people questioning, like, should I be doing this or should I not? So, um, partnering with you guys was, um, something that I thought long and hard about, you know, over the last couple of years. Um, but it it's just been making sense. And now I've had so many of my clients and coaches go through the process with, with Aspire and it's just been awesome. Like they've just, I mean, the feedback's been phenomenal. Um, I
1: appreciate that. Thank you so much.
0: Well, it's because of you. So
1: (laughs) I, I appreciate it because that's, that's really where I wanted to focus it. I wanted to focus it more on the health side, even though I came from bodybuilding, even though a lot of our original, uh, patients and clients when we first opened came from the fitness and bodybuilding side. Yeah. But I quickly learned that, you know, when we start really focusing on the health side, we start really focusing on the longevity side. People are getting great results because they're optimal to a point when they were
0: 16 to 25. Right. Yeah. And it's safe. So well, I think you... a lot of the coaches focus first on the pharmaceutical stuff. They sure. don't actually understand nutrition and training. Mm-hmm. So it's kind of a band aid for bad coaching. Whereas I had to learn, you know, I have, I have, I had a girl get sixth at the Olympia last year. It was a lifetime natural. Mm-hmm. I couldn't have done that if my focus was on the pharmaceutical side. I had to learn the body. I had to learn nutrition. I had to learn how to use carbohydrates, diet breaks, refeeds, these things, how to peak somebody. Because I come from that background, like now you're just making someone that potentially already had a health issue, making them normal, healthy. Now they really respond to training. They really respond to cardio. Exactly. Um, and it's 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 been it's been nice to see such a positive response from my athletes by just making such a minor adjustment.
1: Yeah. Yeah. And it can be something as small as a thyroid adjustment. Yeah. It can be something as small as seeing that, you know, if you have an, uh, not an older female, but female in her thirties, you know what I mean? Women tend to start
0: dieting at a younger age. so They they usually develop metabolic issues and they'll, they'll Mm -hmm. restrict calories. And I mean, honestly, there's some really bad coaches out there that will put women in a bad place they'll they'll keep them on low calorie and tons of cardio for years well and i'll even add
1: something to that a lot of these women that you know are doing these dietary changes at a younger age than men usually they're also already manipulating hormones from the second they get their menstrual cycle oh with the the
0: pill with the pill yeah so
1: 12 13 years old
0: sometimes earlier 10 years old coming out about that now right it's there's a lot lot of, of research a lot of the issues that women are like digestive issues and Hormone issues are, could be related to that.
1: Digestive hormone, fertility issues. You know, you got to think about it. You're developing as a human, men and yeah. women, until you're about 25, 26. They used to say, oh, you're an adult and 18. You're not even physiologically an adult until you're about 26. Yeah, You're still developing. Your brain's still developing. So you're manipulating these females' hormones at 12, 13 years old. Your body can't adequately produce progesterone right. when you are on birth control. So you're not menstruating. So if you're not menstruating, that menstrual cycle and that ovulation cycle that you're halting is now causing a hormonal decline a hormonal issue. You're not only not going to, you know, have a proper hormone profile, you're not going to develop properly.
0: Yeah, that's scary. So your
1: brain's not developing properly. Your your reproductive system's not developing properly. Your body. Yeah. So, you know, all these things are starting to happen and people are starting to wake up to it. I I tell every single woman, you know, when they ask about the clinic, they're like, what about birth control? I say, you want my personal professional opinion get off of it well i don't want to get pregnant you ovulate about three four days a month don't have sex in those days
0: yeah or, <laughs> that's kind yeah.
1: of how that works yeah. you know or, or use use a, a, use a condom.
0: i had a couple clients that had some really bad issues and i said well let's just remove the pill for a few months obviously that's on your accord to make sure you don't get pregnant um and every time within mm-hmm. a few months they're like wow i feel amazing sure sometimes the cycles will be their, their periods will be a little bit more Uh, painful for those couple days but Mm -hmm. their overall health is better Hundred percent, and their emotions are more balanced you know they're not dealing with like almost like depressive stuff
1: that hormone brain connection that's another part that's really new age science coming out you know I'm I'm in the process of getting my master's degree in psychology and I want to eventually get my PhD in psychology it's hard running multiple businesses and trying to do that at the same time but my paper for my PhD is probably going to be related to the link of hormones and mental health and how, yeah. how much it actually relates. And, you know, you just made an excellent point, depression, Yeah. you know, their hormones are messed up. They're going to have depression, anxiety. They're going to have almost psychosis issues happens with men, uh, military and law enforcement. Why is PTSD so prevalent? Why is depression so prevalent? Why is suicide so prevalent? They have a severe declination in hormones a lot of times because of the amount of stress. Yeah. Increased cortisol, increased stress, decreased sex hormones. You know? And if if you have a woman that's especially a competitor and their testosterone's down, their estrogel progesterone aren't balanced, and they have an underactive thyroid, or even a suboptimal thyroid.
0: Yeah, that's when you run into somebody that's like, Okay, you're taking calories away, you're adding cardio, and nothing's happening. And like you go, Okay, there's something there's a missing piece here. Exactly. And this is when I say, Okay, I need you to Um, I have, I'll have some really cool case studies for you, but I got a a really, really good one. We could not, she was about five pounds over stage weight and I could not get her to drop a single pound. Hmm. So had to reach out to aspire. She went through the panel T3, T4 issues. Um, I said, okay, we're going to just reverse for a while. She has gotten leaner and she's eating more and doing less cardio. And it's, and she's like, I just feel amazing. I'm like, all right, well, we're not going to go back into prep till next year. I just want to get you stable. Sure. Um, but she is an amazing competitor and I just could like. I could give her three hours of cardio and and zero carbs. She's still not dropping weight. I'm like, what is going on? And I didn't do that to her. Sure. um, Because I have thresholds where I'm coaching someone. I'm like, okay, this is, if you can't get lean on a reasonable approach, you need to go find out why.
1: And just like people say, you can't outwork a bad diet. Right. You can't out diet and outwork bad hormones. Right. It's that simple. If your hormones aren't in line, I don't care what you do, you're on a hamster wheel. Yeah. And you're going to keep on that hamster wheel until you fix the issue. Yeah. Which is why I have a huge problem with the way that the medical weight loss community for anybody listening on the podcast and the audio, I'm doing very big air quotes. Yeah. <laughs> the medical weight loss community, they're all band-aids. They're all band-aid solutions for things that really are more than likely hormonal And this issues.
0: is something we can talk about with the lifestyle people. Cause a lot of people will come to us and they've done the HCG diet mm-hmm. and they're like, well, don't I need HCG? And I go, no, you were on 500 calories. That's yeah. why you lost weight. It wasn't the HCG shot that you're doing, but they, they kind of correlate like, oh, a medical doctor told me to do this diet, so it must work. And I go, well, you were on 500 calories for six months. That's why you gained 30 pounds. You, you crushed yourself, yeah. and you've got to f- correct that. HCG had no weight loss capability at all. When people come to us and they, they've done these diets, um, and that's kind of what they want to do again, I say, like, you didn't learn the behaviors to lose weight. You took a drug that suppressed your appetite, mm-hmm. but you didn't learn the skills how to make your own food, how to be hungry and know you're going to be okay how to not grab a snack on your way out of walmart mm-hmm. you know you didn't learn those skills so when you take away that drug you're going to go right back and it'd probably be worse than it was
1: well and that's what happens and people take this phentermine and phentermine will stop working in your body like most stimulants you take a whole bunch of caffeine what happens after take a couple more. months you yeah. either got to take more or you have to that's cut it, it down and then <laughs> eggs, yeah, exactly. that's why starbucks is rich yeah exactly because people are addicted to coffee in this country. Uh, Starbucks, unfortunately very bad coffee in my opinion, but <laughs> neither here nor there. So the Fener your body gets used to it to a point where it will no longer work after about eight weeks, some people earlier, six weeks. So can you
0: up the dose or is it just a, is there a cap?
1: There's a cap. So 37.5 milligrams is the, uh, the clinical size of that capsule or that capsule or tablet, however you're getting it. 37.5 milligrams. You take that once a day in the morning after eight weeks, we make you take a break. Sometimes we okay. make people take a break after four weeks. Uh, and then what happens is it ends up being a yo-yo effect. Oh, I'm hungry, hungry, appetite hungry. Returns. And appetite returns. You know, like, we'll kind of stay on this. No, you get used to it and you're just literally throwing money away. And it's not a it's not a very safe drug. It's a harsh drug. It's an amphetamine just like meth is. <laughs> you know what I mean? Our clinic model kind of differs from the rest of the industry is they're very much on a sales pitch kind of method. Sure. You know, they, they want to sell the protocols, the drugs, everything else, which it's business. I understand what they're doing. You know, the way that we approach it is more from an educational standpoint. Sure. We want to educate the patient. So you come in for a consultation. We want to tell you, hey, this is what we see in your blood work. This is how we know it can get fixed. Here's your choice. Yeah. If you make no choice and you're like, hey, I'm good. Thank you for the information. See you later. Yeah. There's no, there's no membership. There's no program. There's no cancellation. You're paying for that consultation. You're paying for the blood work. If you want to proceed from there, you're paying for medication. That's how that works. And it's a very simple process. And I think for us it made people kind of trust that we actually kinda of give a shit. Yeah. You know, like we actually care. I want you to feel better. My entire prerogative, my entire purpose is not to grab everybody from every single uh, you know, medical space and have them come to my clinic. Sure. I want more clinics to open. I want more clinics to be competitive with my there are more than enough patients for every clinic. On the planet we're not even scratching the surface on the amount of people we can help yeah so for me it's education yeah i want to educate the public that this is real medicine this is the way that medicine probably should have been the whole time solve the underlying issues let the body process things as it should everything cascades
0: yeah you well know? i mean honestly the greatest medicine is a healthy lifestyle like That's it. you know like you you treat yourself well good things happen yeah so I mean, yeah I, 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 I've just been fortunate that I've been exposed to a lot of the people that were doing things the right way from the from the from the beginning, um, and I haven't been put in a bad situation. So that's that's the reason we do our transformation challenge is because I just want to put that information out there. Like you said, as a coach, I have a very limited number of clients that I work with because mm-hmm. it's you know for me it's a very hands on approach. But the amount of people that I can impact by doing YouTube videos and by doing you know transformation challenges and you know we have some other stuff in the works, big picture. That's really what what I, what I, our company is going to be focusing on, you know, moving forward. Well, I mean, congrats on your growth and success and, you know, I,
1: I wish you the best and I'm really excited for us, you know, working together yeah. and just, uh, helping spread this
0: message and help more people. Yeah. And I'm going to have you on our podcast next. So oh, fantastic. I'll, I'll have to find a good studio. <laughs>
1: Thank you for uh, coming on, man. Uh, of course. I, I want to go have a steak now, so we should probably go do that.
0: Yeah. Well, after check ins <laughs> Thanks, man. Thanks. a so lot. <laughs>
1: Thanks for watching this episode. If you want to watch more episodes, click right here. If you want to subscribe to the channel, right there. Make sure you like and comment.